Good morning, uh, UECP. Good morning, uh, friends. And we are back to MECQ. The COVID cases are increasing and the government doesn't know what to do or I think they are confused. So the hospitals are now full of uh, COVID patients and our medical frontliners are tired. And so to our UECP family, let's do our part. Okay, let's avoid going out. Let's avoid uh, crowded places. Let's practice uh, social distancing. And let's wash our hands. Let's keep safe. You know, our country is in trouble right now. And all the more we need to do our part. We may not be able to control what others are doing, but we can control what we are doing. So we have to do our part as good citizens of this country. And all the more, we need to trust God and seek Him with all our hearts. So today, we're going to start with a two-week series on family. And a while ago, uh, the China ministry showed um, their what they have been doing for the past uh, 19 years. Yes, we are celebrating 19 years of uh, doing China ministry where we reach out to our Chinese uh, friends, Chinese mainlanders from China. So we thank God for this ministry and we hope that uh, we would support this ministry. So today, we're going to talk about family. Now, why family? Okay, because I think everything boils down to family. We love our family, but sometimes we hate our family. We can't live with them, but we can't live without them. You see, family is important because family is our backbone. It's the place that we could feel safe and supported, or it's supposed to be that place where we feel safe and supported. Our family experiences, our family background, our family upbringing has a lot to say on who we are now today. So my question to us this morning is, do we love our family? Have we taught them to fear the Lord? Have we taught them to serve the Lord? Have we taught them to put away the idols that compete with God? So to love our family, we must disciple them to become followers of Christ. Today, we're going to look at the book of Joshua. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, you could open to Joshua and look for yourself what we're going to study today. It's in Joshua chapter 24. No? Joshua chapter 24 is the last book, or is the last chapter of this book. So in this chapter, Joshua is about to die, and he wants to give his last words. And if you were Joshua, okay, what would you say or who would you call to be at your bedside or who would you call to listen to your last words? I think most of us would call our family because we want to give them the reminders and the important lessons to follow. Why? Because family is important to all of us. We love our family we love our kids. We love our spouse. So if family is also important to you, I hope that this message will speak to you this morning. You see, Joshua was dying. And when you're dying, you tend to say words that are important. Words that are from the heart. Not because you have anything to gain, 
but because you have everything to lose. Isn't it ironic that in funerals, we tend to give the best eulogies or the best words of remembrance? But it is also sad because we should have said those words of appreciation when the person was still alive. Value what you have now. Appreciate your family. They may not be perfect, but they will always be your family. Joshua loved his people, and he wants nothing else than the best for his people. So he starts in Joshua 24, verse 1. It, it says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Now, why Shechem? Okay, when I read this verse, actually, I didn't give too much attention to the place Shechem. Okay, but why Shechem? Actually, Shechem is significant. Okay, there's a significance why Joshua, you know, uh, said his last words or his last speech at Shechem. Because in Genesis chapter 12, okay, when Abraham came and went into Canaan, it was in the place of Shechem where God met Abraham. You see, God said to Abraham, listen to me, to your offspring I will give this land. So it was in Shechem, this land was given and he built an altar there. Also in Genesis 35, okay, it says when Jacob came and made his way into battle, he removed all his household idols and buried in an oak tree. And this was in Shechem. Then, in Genesis 33, okay, Genesis 33, Jacob built an altar in Shechem, and he named the place El Elohi Israel, which means, mighty is the God of Israel. It is to testify that our God is mighty. So now, this is why Joshua decides to make his last stand in Shechem. Now, there's also another interesting part that we want to expound on, which is in the last verse of Joshua chapter uh, 24. There are three funerals recorded in the last verses of chapter 24. It reads, After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. Joshua died uh, at 110. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnal Serah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. So this is the first burial. Okay? Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. The second burial is, As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the peace of the land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. And the third burial, and Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gibeah, the town of Phinehas, his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. 
So why does it end this way? Now, why would uh, the book of Joshua end with three funerals? Why did God allow to put three funerals in this uh, last verse of this uh, chapter? Okay? It is to teach us that our time will come to serve. And when it is our time to serve, we must serve well. When it's your time to serve, serve well. And it also teaches us, but when our time is up, then it is up. And God will continue because He is in control. God will continue to work because He is in control. You see, while these people have passed away and the new generation has come, God's faithfulness continues. And for us to serve the Lord, here's the counsel of God for us. We may pass away, but the story of faith continues because the promises of God continues. Again, we may pass away, but the story of faith continues because the promises of God continues. Now, why mention Joseph in verse 32? Now, this is the Joseph that was sold by his brothers, you know. And Joshua, we understand why, he's, why he is there. He's the general, the leader. So he is put there in the last verse of Joshua 24. We understand Eliezer, okay? He is the priest, so we understand that. Now, why mention Joseph here when it seems he has died, you know, a long time ago? So let's look at Genesis chapter 50 to understand why. Let's look at Genesis chapter 50, 24. Okay, it says, Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. In verse 25, Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from there. You see, Joseph made them promise, carry my bones. Bring my bones and bury them in the promised land. So they carried his bones for 40 years in the wilderness. So you see, twice in Genesis 50, okay, Joseph says, God will surely take care of you. So he says, I am about to die. God will surely take care of you. This is the theology there. It's the message of God. He will take care of you. So thus says the Lord, God will surely take care of you. That is the faithfulness of God. So this is the reason Joseph, Joseph's name was mentioned in the ending verse of Joshua. Because his faith in God was worth remembering. So let's continue in Joshua chapter 24, uh, uh, verse 2 to 13. It's the summary of God's faithfulness through the years. I won't be able to read all the verses, but I'll just show you some of the verses, okay, to show you God's faithfulness through the years. In verse uh, 5, it says, I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. Then verse 6, Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. 
Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought you, they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And I gave them into your hand, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and the cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You see, from uh, these verses, God is the main character. The message is simple, and it's a reminder for us today. God will take care of you. Can we trust God today? Can we believe that God will take care of us in the midst of this COVID? Well, the first principle that we could teach and we should teach and show our family is God will take care of you. It's a simple message, but this has to be ingrained in our minds and in our hearts that God will take care of us. In the midst of this pandemic, a lot of people are scared. A lot of people are afraid to die. A lot of people don't know uh, what to do. You know? But the message today is God will take care of you. And He has proven it again and again throughout history. God is faithful and He can be trusted. So whatever you are facing right now, whether you got COVID, you lost a job, you lost income, you lost a loved one, you have, you're having uh, problems with your uh, husband or wife, you have a child that is rebelling, whatever it is, we can count on God because God will take care of you. So teach this to your family today. Build it into their lives to have a grateful heart, to learn to be thankful instead of being a complainer to learn to be joyful, to look at the bright side of things, to appreciate the simple things of life, to just be thankful for what you have in life and to um, just trust God every day. Because sometimes we get so caught up in life that we focus on the things that are really not important. We make the minor things the major things and we mix it all up. You see, God is faithful. God will take care of you. So be grateful, be thankful, and don't be a complainer. Now, in verse 14, okay, Joshua says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, when um, when Joshua says, therefore, he's making a summary from verse 1 to 13. So he's saying, since God is faithful and God can be trusted and God cares for you, we are expected to do these things. There are three things that we are expected. If you say you're a Christian, these three things are expected of us. Number one, fear the Lord. Number two, serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. 
And number three, put away the idols in your life. Now, what does the Lord mean when He says, fear the Lord? Sometimes we think uh, fear the Lord means to be intimidated with God, that we are to be afraid of God in a negative way, that if we don't follow Him, He's going to strike us down, He's going to give us sickness, He's going to make our life miserable. Well, I call that intimidation. And I don't think God is that, or I don't think God means that to fear the Lord is to be intimidate, intimidated by God. But sometimes that's how we think and we say fear the Lord. Now, an example of what it means to fear the Lord. There was once a young boy who was being tempted to do something wrong by his friends. The young boy said, I can't do it. Okay, I will not do what you're asking me to do. So his friends say, so you're afraid of your father? That's why you don't want to do it? The young boy said, yes, I'm afraid of my father. I am afraid to break his heart because I love him too much. So what is the fear of the Lord? Okay, what is the meaning of it? There is a fear of the father because there is a love of the Father. Again, what does fear the Lord mean? It means there's the fear of the Father because there is a love of the Father. What does fear the Lord means? To fear the Lord is to love God so much that you don't want to break His heart. To fear the Lord is you don't want to break your Father's heart. To fear the Lord is to honor God and love Him. Second, what does it mean to serve in sincerity and faithfulness? No, to be sincere means to be genuine, to be wholehearted, to be real. So what does it mean to serve Him in sincerity? It is to serve without titles. It is serving from the heart. It is serving above and beyond what is expected of you. No, the command is this. If you are a Christian, we must serve God in sincerity, meaning with a genuine heart. It means to serve without applause, to serve despite the title. So in this pandemic, in this pandemic, <clears throat> I've seen many of our UECP members serving others with sincerity. No, I've seen some people who serve by giving food to members who are sick. Some serve by giving their money. So when a member is hospitalized, you know, kaya ng member, makalabas. Some serve by praying for members who are down, who are sick, you know, who are not feeling well. Okay? And this is what it means to serve with sincerity. So a question I ask us today, how are we serving others? How can we serve others with sincerity. Now, the third question naman, or the third, uh, mean, the third thing that is expected of us is to put away the idols. Now, what does it mean to put away idols? Okay, it means to put away the things that is robbing your time away from God and your family. Now, what are the things that uh, are, is robbing you of your time from reading the Bible? Now, what is the things that are robbing you of your time from worshiping God? What are the things that is robbing you from serving others? We need to identify the idols 
in our life and remove them. We need to repent. So the second principle that we must teach and share to our family is God expects us to live a life of no compromises. No, as Christians, this is expected of us, to live a life that is pleasing to God. Now, if you want to be passionate about something, then be passionate about living a life that is pleasing to God. Fear God with your life by doing what is pleasing to Him, which is honoring to Him. Serve Him with a genuine heart. Stop looking and start serving. Put away the idols in your life. These are the things that rob us okay, of our time away from God. We go to verse 15. It says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now what does Joshua mean here? He is actually giving his people a choice because life is about choices. You have a choice. Who will you serve? Who do you choose to worship? Now one of the greatest problems in Worshipping God is syncretism. You know, I heard this word from Pastor Edmond Chan. Now, what is syncretism? Okay, syncretism is when I am worshipping God, but I am also worshipping other gods. Again, what is syncretism? Syncretism is when I am worshipping God, but I am also worshipping other gods. Okay, An example of this in the Bible is in 2 Kings 17.33. It says, They feared the Lord and served their own gods. That is syncretism. They feared the Lord. Okay? Because in the Old Testament, okay, uh, to serve the Lord or to fear the Lord was more of an external. Ano, pakita lang. But inward, they served their own gods. And we are guilty of that. We are all guilty of that. You say you fear God, but your life shows otherwise. That is syncretism. You say you serve God, but your life shows you only serve when you get something from it. That's syncretism. You say you love God, but you love other things more than God. That's syncretism. So what Joshua is really saying is, if you want to choose God, you must be serious about it. Don't pay lip service and say you love God, but deep down, you love other things more. Our words do not match our actions. I would like to quote uh, Matthew Henry. He said that serving the Lord is serious godliness. It is serious business. This is true. And I think this catches the spirit of Joshua's last words to his people. Serving God is serious, is a serious matter. And God has done so much and He has proven that He can be trusted. Therefore, we must have this kind of mindset that serving the Lord is serious godliness. 
We see when we serve the Lord, okay, it is with all our hearts. It involves life change and transformation. And when we serve the Lord, it's not a show. Okay? Hindi lang siya pakitang tao. But it comes from a deep love for God. So the third principle that we must teach and share to our family is serving the Lord is serious godliness. It's about being serious in your walk with Him. So in the last part of the verse, Joshua makes his famous stand. He said, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What is Joshua saying? He is saying, I'm going to lead by example today. I'm going to show my people that I have made my choice. You, have, you can make your own choice, but I'm making my choice today. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He will make a stand today and he's taking his faith seriously. He's taking his faith seriously. When Joshua says, but as for me, he is making a public stand. He's not ashamed of his decision. We have to be bold with our faith. Okay? Again, when Joshua says, but as for me, he's making a public stand. Then, when he says, uh, when he when he says, but as for me, he also is making a personal decision that this is my personal decision today. And each one of us will also have to make a personal decision for our life. You see, we cannot be saved by our parents' faith. Okay? We cannot be saved by going to Hope Christian High School. We cannot be saved by other people's decision. You have to make a personal decision. Will you serve God? Yes or no? It is time to take your faith seriously. Then Joshua says, but as for me and my house, meaning as the leader of my family, I make this commitment. I speak for my family today. We will take God seriously and we will serve the Lord. We believe in God and that He is faithful, and that God will take care of us. That is what Joshua was committing to the Lord when he said, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So to all the fathers today, please listen. We have work to do. We have to teach our children. We have to guide them. We have to disciple them. We have to make this commitment as a family. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So to all the fathers, we cannot leave it all to chance. We have to set an example at home. We have to teach our family about God's faithfulness. We have to show them what it means to live a life of no compromises. We have to teach them that serving God is serious Godliness. And remember, it's more caught than taught. So what we model to them is what they follow. So here's a question uh, to think about. Can we guarantee uh, that our children will follow our steps and serve the same Lord that we worship? Can we guarantee? You know, if we teach them, if we disciple them, if uh, we have our family devotion at night, 
you know, we bring them to church, we bring them to Sunday school, we let them study in a Christian school. Can we guarantee that our children will become Christians? The answer is no. That's the honest answer. Because God has given each of our children the ability to make their own choices in life. Now what then does this text mean? It means that as godly parents, we can point them to the right direction. We can point them to the right direction. We can show them the way by living out a genuine Christian life. A life where our words match our actions. We can provide an atmosphere of serious godliness that makes it easier for them to choose Jesus Christ than to choose the way of the world. So the fourth principle that we must teach and share to our family is we have to make a stand. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But let me warn you, as I end, once you apply these four principles in your family, be on guard against Satan because he won't be happy if you start discipling your children. He won't be happy if you start teaching your children about God's faithfulness, that God will take care of your family, that serving the Lord is serious godliness, that we have to live our life with no compromise. You know, when we teach the things of God to our children, Satan won't be happy. So just be on the guard for that. But I want to encourage all the parents today and to all the singles today, Make a decision today, okay? Don't expect changes to happen overnight in your family, but we have to build our family one brick, and a, one brick at a time, okay? One brick at a time. You know, it, in relationships, there has to be time. You have to build the trust, build the love, okay? Now, here are three practical steps I'd like to share to you on how to build up your children. Number one, affirm them. Okay, what do I mean? Catch them doing right things. I know in uh, our families or most of the time in Chinese families, we like to catch our children doing wrong things. Okay, but today, catch them doing the right things and affirm them. Wow, no, thank you. You're studying. Wow, you're washing the dishes. Okay. Wow, you took a bath after one week. Kasi, quarantine sa bahay. Hindi na naliligo yung mga bata ngayon. Diba? Second thing that we can do to build our children up, apologize to them Okay, when you're wrong. Okay? Uh, I think this is something that we could also do. And when we apologize to them, they will see that you know, as parents, Marunong din tayo. Okay, that if we did something wrong, we will also know how to say sorry. And third, affection. Love them despite. Okay, what do I mean here? Let's love our children despite their actions. Okay, despite uh, the wrong things they do, love them because they are God's gift to us. You know, our children are not perfect. That is why they need us to disciple them one day at a time. A pastor once told me, 
don't view your children as a problem to be fixed. View them as a person to be loved. View them as a person to be loved. Again, don't view your children as a problem to be fixed. View them as a person to be loved. Love them, accept them, affirm them. Okay? Now, I like to um, give us three reflection questions to think about. Okay? Three reflection questions. Okay? As, you, know, you could ask them, ask this. Uh, you could answer by yourself and share to your family. Okay? Number one, how has God been good to me and my family through the years? Share one specific example. Talk about how God has been good to your family. How has God um, been providing for your family? Or how has God shown His goodness through the years? Okay. Second, as a parent, ask your children, do my words match my actions? Yan. Okay. As a parent, tanongin mo anak mo. Okay. Do my words match my actions? And let your children share. Let them share. Don't interrupt. Okay? Usually, they will say things that di natin napapansin. Pero totoo pala. Huh? They will tell you things that will be a little bit uh, hurtful, but usually, it's true. Okay? Third, you could ask yourself is, are you ready to serve the Lord? Do you understand that serving the Lord is serious godliness? So how? How can I serve the Think about these things, okay? About these three questions and make a stand today. Choose whom you will serve, okay? Make your choice today, okay? But Joshua has made his choice. He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I hope that as a family, you could also make that choice as our family, Okay, has also made this choice that, but as for our family, we will serve the Lord. May God bless us all and have a nice week.